Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on this Thursday, the 16th of March, 2023. Uh, very, very warm day. Eventually, summer has hit here in the Macedon Ranges. It's going to be uh, early 30s to mid-30s today, and it's not going to ease up until, I think, over the weekend. And uh, hey, today being the 16th of March, for those of you who are in Australia and who are avid AFL fans, Australian Football League fans, Today marks round one of the AFL season. It is probably the biggest day on the football calendar other than the grand final, which is the last game of the season. It's always the first game that seems to generate a huge amount of interest. And tonight at the MCG, Richmond and Carlton kick off the season. And there's probably going to be about 95,000 people there. So it'll be a tremendous, tremendous day to play footy and cannot wait. And of course, come Saturday, that is the big game, Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I'm an absolutely crazy Melbourne supporter and uh, cannot wait to see the boys uh, do it again and hopefully repeat the efforts of 2021 and bring home the Premiership Cup for the second time in 50 plus years because it's been a long, long drought. So before we jump into today's topic, if you can do me a massive favor and on the platform that you're currently listening to this episode on, if you can do me a favor and press uh, subscribe, but also more importantly, the rating on the podcast. If you can give me a rating, that'd be awesome, whether it's a one, two, three, four, or five star, particularly on the Apple platform, makes it a lot easier for others looking to find information about sales and sales leadership to more easily find this particular podcast. I have no idea how the algorithms work, but I'm told that the more people that start to subscribe and start to rate, the more easier the podcast is findable on the different platforms. So that would be greatly appreciated. So look, in today's episode, I wanted to talk about, I've just come off a, a short masterclass with a group, and we're talking about the importance of adapting and adjusting our communication style, particularly as leaders, based on the environmental factors, but also based on the types of people we have in our environment. So I wanted to spend some time just talking about some profiling, and the title of this particular episode is going to be, Are You a Chameleon? Because one of the key things I've found over many years now working in sales teams, leading sales teams, but now working with sales teams in a coaching, mentoring, facilitation capacity is that so many sales leaders drive one-dimensional teams. And I've I've found this to be true for myself, but I've also found it to be true for a lot of other leaders. And that is we're very good at bringing people to the team and building teams and replacing people with individuals that we resonate with who are very much like ourselves. And one of the challenges with that, of course, is we start to develop a one-dimensional team. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know the importance of that we always talk about having diversity within the team, having different thinking patterns within the team, different perspectives and different beliefs. Our role then as a sales leader is to bring all of those people who have differences together and aligned along a common theme and a common goal so we're all moving in the one direction and so we can achieve greatness and become exceptional at what we do. The only way we can do that is for us to embrace people's differences and start to search for people who are different to others and sometimes different to us in a behavioral profile or in a, in a capacity of personal style so that we can bring diversity and difference 
to the table because there's nothing worse, and I've seen it happen, and maybe you have experienced this or seen this happen as well. There is nothing worse than seeing a team that is filled with uh, carbon copies of each other who don't necessarily achieve the ultimate results they probably could if they started to be a little bit different, started to think a little bit outside the square or brought some different flavors and different characteristics to the team that they don't get to experience because they're all the same. Now, often when I'm talking to sales leaders, we're having challenging conversations sometimes about how these leaders can adjust their communication style or why they're having some challenges with certain stakeholders. And that could be people within their team. It could be they're having challenges with peers. There could be challenges with their one-up manager or they're having challenges with senior executives or they're having challenges with their customers or key partners. And often when you look at it, when you analyze it, it's not the fact that they don't see eye to eye. It's the fact that they're simply coming from, in a lot of cases, a different perspective or a different framework. So their frames of reference are often different. And one of the key things as a sales leader we need to become, if we are to be exceptional, is to be able to identify these differences, acknowledge them, embrace them, and in some cases, put your own prejudices and biases to the side and think about how can I best communicate and interact with this particular person so as to get a result. Now, one thing I want to be really clear here is we are not talking about uh, faking it until you make it, and we're not talking about being uh, disingenuous or inauthentic. We have to be authentic, which presupposes that we need to know what we stand for, what's important to us, and we need to understand what makes us tick. What is our natural style? If we can understand that and we can build our level of self-awareness, but also start to think about how do other people respond in situations? How do other people have a default communication style? How can I start to recognize that? And how can I start to adjust my style to suit that person so we start to resonate with each other? What you'll find is your ability to influence and your ability to be more effective as a communicator will absolutely go through the roof. So one of the profiling tools that I'm accredited in is a thing called the Rich Profile, which is all based on psychology and all the reputable profiling tools uh, are all based on psychology that comes from Carl Jung, the grandfather, if you like, of psychology. And the Rich Profile is a profile that is based on our adaptability, our flexibility, and our ability to adjust our style to other people. So how adaptable and how flexible are we? So I wanted to give you an overview of this. So from the perspective of, and it's not so much the labels of the different profiles that are important, it is more the characteristics that sit within each of these that is really critical. So I thought uh, having had this masterclass today and having had a number of conversations this week, around this particular topic, particularly for sales leaders. I think it's well worth uh, broaching this topic and providing a bit of information. And if you'd like some more information about this, if you'd like to go deeper into this, if you wanna ask me any questions about this, or in fact, explore maybe doing some profiles for you and for your team, just send me an email, darren at darrenmitchell.com.au or uh, hit me up on LinkedIn, more than happy to have a conversation. So I wanna give you an overview of this. And the REACH profile is based on two key dimensions. Dimension number one, is you've got a what's called an achievement drive. So when it comes to setting goals and going about achieving goals, there are people who tend to have a bias towards action. So they wanna have a sense of urgency in everything they do. They're like the energizer bunny that they, you just wind them up and let them go because they see a goal and just gonna go after it. They don't need to know all the steps. They don't need to know whether uh, this way is the right way. They just see the goal and they've just got a bias towards action. On the other hand, you've got people who are more thinking oriented, they're more conservative and they're more methodical. They have to think about the goal and the steps they're gonna take, at least the first four or five steps uh, that they need to take in order to give them the opportunity of achieving that goal. So that's the first dimension, achievement goal. 
So sometimes people are action-oriented, sometimes people are thinking-oriented. You've also got a relational drive, which is all about uh, when it comes, and I use the example of to-do lists. So most people have a to-do list, and when you look at that to-do list, a lot of people look at the tasks or the activity or the projects on the to-do list, so they have a very task-focused mentality. On the other hand, there are people who look at that exact same list, and instead of looking specifically at the tasks, they're now thinking through the filter of the people. So who are the people I have to have a conversation with? Who do I have to liaise with in order to get these things done? So you tend to have either task-focused or people-focused individuals. So what that gives you, based on the achievement drive and the relational drive, this is where reach comes into it. So you've got the coach, the counselor, the, the advisor, and the driver as the four definitions of the different types. So I'll go through each of these at a really high level. And look, there's a stack of detail that sits underneath this, but just to give you a sense of, uh, and as I go through these, just think of the people that are in your environment, in your team, the people that you're dealing with on a regular basis, not so much to pigeonhole people, because one of the key things around profiling, certainly in 2023, it is not about labeling people, it is not about pigeonholing people, and it's not about stereotyping people. What it is, is building a level of awareness in terms of what behaviors, what characteristics, and what attributes am I observing? And based on that, how can I now adjust my style to suit that person's characteristics to then be on the same page, to be easily and more readily be able to build rapport and therefore get a better level of influence and effectiveness in our communication. So the coach is the first one, a people, a people person, a person who is quite expressive, but also has a bias towards taking urgent action. Some of the key characteristics in a coach is first and foremost, they're a big picture thinker. They think about what is the aspiration, what is the goal we want to achieve, why are we existing, so what is the big dream that we've got for the team. They're also very much team-oriented, and they are eternally optimistic. The glass is always half full. They're looking at every opportunity as an opportunity to move forward, and if they see issues, if they see challenges, they see these as opportunities to find a solution. I often talk about the coaches as being pioneers. They're very creative, very innovative. They don't need to know how things work. They just need to know that we're moving in that direction and we will achieve the outcome irrespective of the challenges and the obstacles we might come up against. And because of that, they're more than happy to take risks. Now, these are not uh, uncalculated risks. These are not risky risks. These are risks taken in with the intention of moving forward. They're also very energetic and very talkative. They love to have people surrounding them. And particularly in Melbourne, which is the most, the world's most locked down city in 2020 and 2021, uh, it was very difficult for the coaches to have people around them physically, so they, they actually found it quite challenging over the COVID pandemic to uh, maintain their levels of energy. So the coaches need people around them. Uh, they also are very, very quick when it comes to decision making because they don't need to know all the information. They are making decisions based on gut instinct and based on their intuition. Now, for each of these, there are what we call resourceful attributes, of which these are some that I've just described, but there's also some things we need to be mindful of in terms of unresourceful attributes, not so much weaknesses, but just some things to be conscious of. One of the things about a coach is if they're placed under huge amounts of pressure, even though they have a focus on the team, sometimes they can become quite introspective and make it a little bit more about themselves. So you might hear the word I littered throughout their language, and they wear their heart on their sleeve, so their ego can sometimes be very visible, because you, when they walk into a room, you can tell through their expression, because they're quite expressive, what they might be thinking and what they might be feeling. So it's just something to be conscious of with, with the coach is not letting the feelings become so obvious that might therefore impact the people within the environment. What drives the coach overarchingly, though, is a thing called recognition. Recognition first and foremost for the team, and then by default, recognition 
for themselves. So the one word to describe the coach is the why type person, a very action-oriented, very people-focused individual. And overarchingly, what they're thinking about is why do we exist? Why are we here? What are we trying to achieve? What is the big dream? So they actually lead teams through showing the example. They don't lead teams by telling or through telling what to do. So that's the first one, the coach. The second one is a counselor. And the counselor is a person who is also very people-focused but is a lot more methodical and is quite conservative in relation to their approach. And a counselor, just by the nature of that term, is very much focused on others. And I often ask the question, what do you think a counselor would be good at? And most people respond with, well, they'd be fantastic as a listener. And they are. They're very, very focused on other people, sometimes to their own detriment, but they create great environments because they're naturally nurturing and naturally empathetic and they're very approachable. So people feel very comfortable having a conversation with them. And I often hear sales leaders in particular saying, you know what, can't believe I had this conversation with this person. And they shared lots of personal confidential information, which at the end of that conversation turned around and said to me, I have never shared that with anybody else. These guys are very highly trusted and they make people feel so comfortable, so vulnerable to where they can share that sort of information, knowing that it won't be used against them and they'll be a vault. So very nurturing, very empathetic. They're also very cool, calm, and collected, particularly in a crisis. They don't have a huge variance in terms of their emotions that a coach might demonstrate because sometimes the coach is up and about, bouncing off walls like their hair's on fire, and the next moment they're down in, down in the uh, fertile position sucking their thumb on the floor. So there's a big variance in terms of emotions for a coach. The counselor is very steadfast, very grounded. So you wouldn't necessarily know whether things are going well or not so well based on the emotional response of a counselor because they are the same. So when it comes to challenging situations, when it comes to crises that they can't get out of, which I'll talk about in a second, uh, they can be very calming and very steadfast, very grounded and leading people through and leading themselves through to a conclusion in a really calm way. However, when it comes to making decisions, they can be very slow because procrastination is a bit of a challenge. And the reason for that is they're always thinking about what is the impact of this decision on other people? What's the impact of my team? What's the impact of my customers? What's the impact on the key stakeholders that we're dealing with? So if they can't get an identified positive outcome to a particular decision, their natural response is to avoid making that decision and therefore they will procrastinate. They also don't appreciate conflict. So I said before that whilst they might be cool, calm and collected in a crisis, if they had a choice to avoid the crisis in the first place, more often than not, they would take that opportunity. So they don't like being in difficult conversations. They don't appreciate direct language because what they love, what they love to be in and what they're driven by is a thing called harmony. So if they can have everybody in a harmonious environment moving in the one direction, feeling wonderful about it, that is their utopia. So that is the counselor at a really high level. And these guys, the one word to describe them is the who. So we have the coach who is the why and we have the counselor who is the who. The next one is the advisor. And this advisor is, is a very task-focused individual and is a very thinking, methodical, conservative type person. And just by listening to that term, the advisor, often these people are subject matter experts and they have a very analytical approach to things. So they have a very detailed focus. They're gathering facts. They're gathering evidence. They are the proof-driven individual. They want to know how things work. And you can start to see that the diagonally opposite quadrants with coach doesn't need to have all the information and they'll make really quick decisions. The advisor needs to have a lot of information in order to make a decision. So they're very much a evidence-driven, fact-driven, proof-driven individual. Very, very good at putting together processes, procedures, and policies, but even more than that, measuring performance against those. So very good at governance and making sure that all 
the, uh, all the performance measures are in place and we know what the KPIs are and we also know how we are measuring up against these KPIs. However, when it comes to decision making, as a general rule, they are considered to be poor decision makers. And the reason for that, and procrastination is another, I guess, challenge for the advisor, similar to the counselor, is there's never enough information that they have at their disposal to feel comfortable being able to make a decision. They're always searching for more information. So there's just another T to cross and another I to dot. And often what can happen is these guys can suffer from paralysis by analysis or detail-itis. Uh, there's also a level of sensitivity and stubbornness. Now, while people look at the advisors as quite analytical, quite practical, quite rational people, which they are on the surface, underneath, they are quite sensitive. So if they're putting a document together and they'll check it 451 times, once they've shared that with another group or another person, and God forbid if that person finds a mistake, that's when they get their back up because they're quite sensitive because they want to make sure that everything's right. Because what they're driven by is often uh, a level of perfectionism, but essentially they want to be correct. So their whole mode of operation is to get things right. So it is all about correctness for them. And the one word to describe the advisor is the how. So you've got the coaches who are the whys, the counselors who are the whos, and the advisors are now the hows. How do we get this done? And the final quadrant is what we call the driver. And the driver is a person who is task-focused, very similar to the advisor, but has an, a bias towards action and a sense of urgency, very similar to a coach. And what you have is a driver. And just by that virtue of that name, that driver, you probably have images coming up in terms of somebody who is pushing for results really quickly, always has a sense of urgency, doesn't seem to have enough time. So the driver is, first and foremost, a big-picture thinker. Now, what's different to them versus the coach is the coach can have an aspirational view of what they think the outcome looks like. The driver has a crystal clear view. It's like a photograph. It's almost like something tangible in front of them is, is material. They can see it. And they make very quick decisions. But the difference is they make decisions based on what is the outcome and what is the bottom line, what is the results we're going to actually deliver. And sometimes they'll make decisions that will be beneficial to the business which sometimes has collateral damage as to the impact on the people. But they don't have that frame of reference because they're looking at the bottom line. And so uh, bottom line focus and results driven. They also really appreciate being challenged and they appreciate direct language. So they want to have a robust conversation. They expect people to challenge them and challenge them on their ideas or on the activities or on the strategy. What they don't appreciate is being challenged as an individual and certainly being challenged in terms of their authority. If you do that, they will potentially get very aggressive and you won't like the outcome. They are naturally assertive type people, but they really appreciate robust conversations because through that conversation, it may well be that we talk about a new strategy or maybe a different strategy that can help improve and enhance the bottom line and the results. So it's, it's all good. The other thing with the driver is they're often known as, I call these guys yeppers, and you might have conversations with people that in the middle of the conversation, you're giving this great story, you're great backstory, you're building up to a request, and they'll just interrupt you with yep. Yep, what is it that you want? Or yep, can you get to the point, please? Uh, they're always in a hurry because what drives them is achievement. So they have no qualms interrupting people because what they want you to do is get to the point. They don't need the backstory. They're not interested in necessarily small talk. They're interested in driving the bottom line. So they're the four key uh, areas within the REACH profile, the coach, the counselor, the advisor, and the driver. Now, the key thing with all this, now whether this is REACH or whether you're talking about DISC and there's a whole host of other ones, the key thing around all of this is to, as a sales leader, become more and more conscious of the people within our environment, pay more attention, 
and start to ever so slightly adjust our communication style based on the people that we're having in our team and the people that we're negotiating with or communicating with. Because when we do that and we start to talk a language that they understand, then very quickly we become more connected and it's very much easier to actually now influence and get better results. So the question I want to ask you at the end of this is the question that are you a chameleon or are you somebody who is very steadfast in their approach, very, uh, dare I say, respectfully stubborn in your approach and your attitude is, you know what, I am who I am, I'm not going to change for anybody and if people want to communicate with me, then they need to communicate in a language that I understand. As a sales leader, that is very short-term thinking, and I can tell you from experience that that will also start to hamper your results. So from today's episode, I want you to think about and just do a bit of analysis on your own team, but also the key stakeholders that you're dealing with on a regular basis, and just ask yourself, where do people sit? Uh, What sort of characteristics do they demonstrate? And am I having good conversations? Is it easier to talk to some people versus not as easy to talk to others? And if you're aware of that, you can start to build some recognition in terms of, okay, what are these characteristics that I now need to start to adapt to so I can increase my opportunity of influencing this person and maybe getting a different result? So that's a really, really high-level overview of the REACH profile. But the key question I want you to remember and think about is, are you a chameleon? So I hope this message helps, and I hope this episode is useful in your ability to understand your team more, but also understand some of the key stakeholders a little bit better. If you'd like, as I said at the at the outset of this episode, if you'd like some more information about this, simply hit me up on LinkedIn through direct message or send me an email, darren at darrenmitchell.com.au. More than happy to give you more information and more than happy to have a conversation with you about that. So uh, with that, thank you very much for plugging into yet another episode and look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.